It is good to be back with you all again. I always look forward to the conference within easy driving range of our home and, and need to be fed. Often I pray that I will be able to feed our saints at home when we assemble and when we come here we are fed upon God's word. And I try to emphasize and I think about it and as I'm using these big words I think about what my wife said. She said you mispronounced that word over there. And I go okay. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me straight. <laughs> she probably missed some others I mispronounced too. But For the longest I've stayed away from the prophets. And my thinking and my reasoning was this. Our Lord's disciples were expecting an earthly kingdom. Three and a half years being taught by him, and they were still expecting an earthly kingdom. And I thought to myself, if they, under his personal teaching and instruction, still were missing the fact that his kingdom was out of this world, as he said to Pilate, what am I to do with the prophets? And as I spoke yesterday, I thought about this, and there are portions of it I understand, and there's portions I don't. And I'm not going to tell you otherwise, but the portions I do understand seem to be such a blessing to me. And I want to try to convey that to you all this afternoon. It's always a sad time for me when we come to the end of a conference. And here I find myself having to start the conference, and I hope it started off on the right note. I didn't feel that confident about it. And I hope we ended on the right note. And with that thought, I turn to Isaiah chapter 6. A lot in between, some woes. a vineyard that produced wild grapes, judgment that the Lord was going to bring down upon Judah, going to keep a remnant or save a remnant. And so much, as I have mentioned last night, to me seemed very applicable, if I could use that big word properly, hopefully, to where we live today and the age in which we live. We have here Uzziah, and this is his death. And from what I can understand, a great king, from most of his leadership, until he decided that he wanted also to intercede on the area of worship and to offer incense, and the Lord struck him with leprosy, and his pride lifted up. He attempted to take that which was not his, the duty of, of worship, the priesthood, not called to that. He was a king, and it opens up here with chapter 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. So many great men that we've sat under and been taught by have passed on. 
and it's appropriate that we pass on, but the Lord remains faithful. He's the same as it was pointed out to us earlier, today, yesterday, and forever. And that it's not about us as the ministers of God's word, it's about him. About him. And in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and that is Adoniah. And recently I had heard someone say, or I read it, I couldn't tell you which one, that Queen Elizabeth had said that if the Lord returned during her lifetime that she would lay her crown at his feet. I would hope that was true. I would like to think that was true. And that's the idea I think that's being brought out here that Uzziah and his pride was lifted up and he said, well, I don't even want to be the king. I also want to be the priest. I want to lead and worship. And the king appeared after his death. Adoniah, controller. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose, not our purpose. Do we love God? As I thought about that, and then, and as we look at this vision that Isaiah had here, the more I thought about it, the more I wondered how much do I love God? I know how much I should love God, but how much do I love God? How much do I practice it? How practical is it in my life? I saw the king, the controller, the one that is involved, that is actively involved every day of our lives that works all things together for good. Forgive me for bringing up the prison ministry so often, but there's been one major thought that I've heard from inmates more than anything else, that if I hadn't been sent to prison, I'd be dead. The Lord sent these men to prison and to preserve their lives, and they acknowledge it, they understand that. What is it in our life that the Lord is actively involved in? Is He working everything together for your good? Do you love Him? Are you concerned about His purpose, not our purpose? His aspiration, His glory, His honor, not ours. I saw also the owner, the controller, the master, the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Let's approach the throne of grace again this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we, we come before you empty. We come before you lifting up our cup and asking you, Lord, to fill it. To give us your message. To enable us, Lord, to see 
a glimpse. We know your word says that we just see the fringes, we just know the fringes. But the more that we read, the more that we study, Lord, we see a little bit more. We know your word teaches us that where two or three are gathered together, that you're in the presence. That your spirit is amongst us. And to those that know you as their personal Savior, your spirit dwells within them. Lord, we stand in need of your spirit to minister through us and to us this afternoon. Of course, and that sounds holy. Holy, holy and precious name, we pray. Amen. Fill the temple. Lift it up. Master, Lord of everything, King of kings and Lord of lords, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain... He covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, 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 is Jehovah of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Someone had said that refers to the Trinity, and maybe so. If there's anything that aggravates me more about John Gill than anything else, is sometimes he gives you two or three opinions about what a passage means. But then I can understand because I could give you two or three opinions about what different passages mean and be wrong on every one of them. But we have here raised to the utmost his holiness. And as we think about our Lord Jesus Christ and as we learn about him and as we learn about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we see ourselves in comparison as those who need that coal off of the altar to touch our lips. We see ourselves as sinners, as unclean, as in need of a Savior, as of need of, need of cleansing. I know the scripture, I understand these things about once saved, always saved, in a point reference in which we are sanctified. I also understand that we are being sanctified. I understand all these things, but at the same time, when you're handling the things of God's Word, you feel so unworthy to do so. You feel amazed that the Lord even calls a finite, sinful person to open up His Word and to proclaim it to a people. And as we think about that, that the Spirit's with us this afternoon, and he dwells in each one of us. We think also what we see, what we understand as we approach him. Nothing aggravates me more than to see a picture of Jesus hanging on a wall and I won't look. I walk into a home and there's a picture there. I just look away. I will not watch a single show, including the Ten Commandments, that portray anything about the Word of God or about the Lord or Someone that's playing God, I can't believe they would even dare do such a thing. But I'm not interested in watching anything like that. The God that I want to see is the one that's revealed to us in Revelation. The one that's revealed to us in Isaiah. The one that's revealed to us in His Word as we see what He's like. 
And as we see as what he's like, we see what we're like. We see our need. We need one to take control, overrule, bring us back under his authority, to be our king and us to submit to his authority, his rule. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah host. Full earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. The last two Fridays I meet at the prison. I have three different services, and the last service is in a unit of men that have overdosed while they're in prison, and one by the name of Ray. They've asked me to pray for him, and the other men did. We gathered around him and we prayed. And this last Friday they said they were stool and there was blood in his stool. He's not expected to live long. He doesn't look like it. And I talked to him about his soul, and he told me about reading the scripture and desiring to learn more about God. And he said, every sunrise and every sunset, this means so much more to me. As he approaches crossing over Jordan, the shortness of his life and the factors of the treatment that he's going through has made the things that he sees in the world around him so much more real, so much more personal. We built a house a number of years ago and my wife has not been happy with the fact that in the old house we had a window that looked out at the sunrise. She could stand at her kitchen sink and she just talks about almost every morning, did you see that sunrise or the evening? Did you see that sunset? And she's moved around the house where she found the best windows to observe such things. And as we observe and as we see, we see in the heavens above the glory of God. But then we see it in such simple things as a duckbill platypus. Strange animal. Perhaps it speaks of the the humor that our Lord has or if you're in California and you see those wild dark orange flowers that just grow wild not as much as they used to because they've killed a lot of them with spraying and other things but every so often somebody will put a picture on there and just tugs at my heart's string because I can remember growing up and seeing these wildfires and how beautiful they were and the Lord created those in his wisdom and in his might and in his power he made such beautiful things and he made other things that were kind of strange but then listening to someone recently he said what is man and he said, man is just a nostril of air. And when we breathe it out, we're not sure we're going to get another one to breathe in. That we are dependent upon our God above. That he gives life 
and he takes life. He appoints, and we have grandkids, and we have children, and we have loved ones, and we so enjoy, and my wife and I were talking about one of our great-grandsons, and I don't know how much you know about my wife, but she spoils, she spoils the men in her life. And I said, you know, here comes another spoiled one. <laughs> we talk about him quite often. What did he do, you know, and what he said, and so forth and so on. The Lord is the one that gives life, and the Lord is the one that takes life. The whole earth. One of the passages I looked at recently was the names of God, and He is wonderful, and I asked the inmates, what's so wonderful about God? And it was silent for a moment, and finally one off to this side said, everything. That's not what I wanted. I wanted him to do any eight, but he was right. Everything is so wonderful about our God. Miraculous. That he would even visit with us. That he would give us a conference where we could open up his word and we could feed upon it. And we could approach under his throne of grace and we could sing our praises to him. He is wonderful. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I think of Ray as he's approaching the end of his life that everything just stands out so bright. And the post of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. Can you see the Lord? Do you have a vision of him that Isaiah had? Can you go with him as he speaks of what he saw and how it affected him and how would it affect us? I would say that it would affect me the same way that he said, woe is me. For I am undone. The greatness of our God, the power of our God, the fact that he maintains the universe. I haven't heard everything about that rocket that exploded except it was like three billion dollars. That rocket would not have exploded if the Lord wanted to succeed. And you'll not have another nostril of breath unless the Lord wants you to live. And you'll have not another heartbeat unless the Lord wants you to live. And He is good and He is gracious to all of us. We live in a land of plenty and we have been blessed. And yet I can look at the missionary reports from Thailand or I have visited Guyana or I can see New Guinea reports and I can see buildings just full of people wanting to hear about the things of God. common thing I hear about Thailand is can you come to our village? Can you bring the gospel message to our village? Another thing I hear is there's a shortage of ministers. A shortage of ministers. Ever so often I'll hear in this country that there are so many churches about pastors today. A long, long time ago it was told me when I was just a youngster that when the Lord removes the ministers, he's bringing judgment down upon a nation. 
the innocent. Cannot imagine somebody wanting to do away with their babies or the perversion that's involved. As we see in Romans, as the Lord turns man over to his wickedness, woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the King Jehovah of hosts. Study our Bibles. Spend time in prayer. Get along with the Lord. Learn all you can. And as you learn, learn about yourself. I learned a long time ago that my friends have an opinion of me and it's not the same as my neighbors. And for some reason, it's not the same that I have of myself. But as I learn about the Lord, I get His opinion and that's what's important. Then one flew, one of the seraphims, unto me having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the thongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this has touched thy lips thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged a vision a vision of God and the effect that it had upon him and that the seraphim came with that live coal from off the altar in which the sacrifices would be perhaps made in sin and uncleanness. I can stand before you this afternoon and I can approach the Lord God in prayer and I can open my mouth and sing His praises because the Lord has taken my iniquity away from me. He's paid it all. He has given me that which I did not deserve. He has brought to my attention my need and His sufficiency. I can be up here speaking and sometimes I just want to burst out in singing, but you don't want to hear me singing. <laughs> but songs come to my heart and they come to my mind. such as all of Jesus. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. And Isaiah was never in the armed services. He would have known better than the volunteer. He's not going to like what the Lord's going to ask him to, to say and to go and to do. And I'm not even going into that, but it was very negative. It was God's judgment upon Judah. And I thought to myself, I said, don't volunteer. I say it, don't volunteer. And he says later on, well, how long, Lord, do I have to carry this message? We carry a message to a dying world. We have family members, loved ones, neighbors, enemies that do not know the Lord, nor do they care. 
Why he saved us and not them is beyond me. How I can go to heaven without my loved ones with me is beyond my understanding. But I know the scripture teaches that there's no sadness, no sickness. None of these negative things that we have here below. Great messages we've heard from this pulpit today. The fact that we are to carry on, we are to endure, we are to pursue because we have better things waiting for us. I think as I was listening to something again that I was told a long time ago that about a war and the men in the battle and the comparison was made to to us as Christians that each man was to be a fort inside of his foxhole. And in that sense, we are to be a fort. Never, never, never give up. Never surrender. Pursue the things of God. Learn about God. Share the word with others. Pray intensely for our loved ones. Desire to see their good. Enjoy the fellowship of the saints. Get a taste of heaven here below. Get an earnest of what we have yet waiting for us. I love Hebrews. It's one of my favorite passages there in chapter 12. And I love that comparison between Mount Sinai and that which deals with the Zion, Mount Zion. And you can say what you will. I am a local church man through and through. But I believe in our assemblies we get just a taste of what heaven's going to be like. And we have, in effect, come to this, although it's yet future. But there should be a sense in which we can enjoy it now and celebrate in it. That we have come into this relationship and that we have a taste of heaven here below. I pray that the Lord has revealed himself this afternoon in the service, and if not, maybe later. Perhaps that there's something been said that you can talk about, complain about, think about, meditate upon, whatever. Whatever the Lord brings your way, so be it. <laughs>